0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 88. Today's episode is all about sisterhood and the sacred feminine.
1: The word patriarchy is such a loaded word. And when I use it, I really want to give context to what I'm talking about is the times that we are living in. And it is shifting back into balance. I don't believe that the solution is matriarchy. It is the balance of the two. And the most intense patriarchy can sometimes exist within ourselves. I see it all the time within me where, for example, I've always had such a strong work ethic, which is a great gift. It's a really good thing that helps me get my work out into the world. But there's this other part of me that sometimes I feel guilty if I'm not working hard. Now, that's patriarchal patterning that I have. And I'm constantly unwinding that. And we all have that. Another version of that is seeing other women speak out. Maybe they're speaking out in an angry way. Maybe they're speaking out in a way that isn't angry enough. And then we judge that. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's
0: time to give your mind a little love with your host,
1: Melissa Monti.
0: Have you tapped the subscribe button yet? More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. Hi, friends and wild women. So while I'm going to be addressing the wild women of the audience today, this doesn't mean this episode is just for women. We all have feminine and masculine within us, and right now we're going through a shift in the rise of the feminine. So this is so important to hear no matter what gender you identify with. So first, a little story time. I used to pride myself in being a guy's girl. I had a lot of guy friends and... I would almost brag that I got along with guys better than I did girls. I was thinking about this the other day and I realized that that wasn't true. Actually, growing up, I wanted to be a guy's girl, but I didn't really know how. I did have a lot of guy friends, and I'm doing air quote around friends. But with most of them, there was always this layer of sexual tension. And I think maybe that I didn't really know how to express my value without that sexuality for quite a while. Why? Uh, probably a combination of a few things. First, I never really had a super close connection with my dad. My parents divorced when I was an infant, and then my stepdad just sort of let my mom take the reins on discipline and things like that so that he wouldn't impose, which honestly was probably for the best, especially in my teenage years. But secondly, my first sexual experience was rape. And I know that kind of sounds counterintuitive. Like, wouldn't I hide my sexuality after that or be afraid of it? Some people do, but I didn't. I think maybe I was trying to reclaim it, or maybe it was some sort of trauma connection, since that rape started out as the first interest that a guy really ever showed in me. Yeah, obviously it didn't end well, but you know, I don't know. Most of the times these things aren't really as logical as we want them to be or as we make them out to be. Well, sometime in my 20s, I started going through what I see now as a healing of my femininity. I had to learn to receive in all the ways, except for gifts. Honestly, I've always been pretty good at receiving gifts and money, <laughs> but I did have to learn to receive compliments. I had to learn to receive help. I'm still learning that. I even had to learn how to receive orgasms. Seriously, I faked all of my orgasms until I was almost 30 years old, until I couldn't handle it anymore, and I just unleashed. (laughs) Go back to episode 25 if you want to hear all about that one. It's actually a really great episode, but it's about how faking orgasms affects your self-worth. Anyways, now my female relationships are so, so important to me. Women are powerful, and we have wisdom that passes down from generation to generation. The feminine is powerful. And right now, we are going through a huge planetary shift where the sacred feminine is rising. You see it in the Me Too movement. You see it in the rise in female-founded companies. You see it in our presidential candidates hopefully we'll see it in our presidency soon. But when we fully understand the power in our womanhood, even in our menstrual cycles, then we can really harness our power. And today we have the perfect guest for this topic. We're talking to Rebecca Campbell. I discovered her book, Light is the New Black, which was recommended to me by someone in my women's group, actually. And I instantly became a fan. Well, her other book, Rise, Sister Rise, is even more powerful. I learned so much about the history of women. Actually, I should call it the her story of women. That really helped me unleash the wise, wild woman within myself. So today we will learn to recognize all the ways we've been keeping ourselves contained, how to use your menstrual cycle to align with your workflow, and how we can best show up for the balance of the masculine and feminine on our planet. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about the morning mind love. It's the easiest way to start each day with a little reminder about how magical you really are. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start the day or that the message that just came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided affirmation meditation to align your subconscious with your highest self, and you'll get a really cool booklet of Powerless, so you can start getting clear on what you want and what really makes you happy. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Rebecca Campbell to the show.
1: So good to be with you, Melissa. Melissa.
0: So I'm really excited about this because your book was highly recommended in my women's group, and uh, I've been a fan ever since. So let's get started with a little background on you. I know you had your first awakening as a teenager, so I'd love to hear about that. Was there a catalyst or was it spontaneous?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a catalyst. I, I actually read a news story about a girl who was a similar age to me who passed away and it just really affected me. And through these serendipitous moments, a couple of days later, I actually was brought together with her mother. And it was what I could only describe as a soul experience. <laughs> and I really had no words or no way of describing the way that we were brought together. And so, I think what it did was really open up for me this search for really consciously trying to find meaning in the world. I think I'd always been, like most children are, really connected to what you might call the other world or intuition or the soul. And, yeah, that was really the first catalyst that really spurred me on to very consciously studying all things to do with the soul and life after death and past lives and all of that.
0: Why do you think that some people are able to come into those moments almost spontaneously or just serendipitously while other people try to reach that type of ecstatic state or awakening
1: for their whole lives? Well, I think that we're all, we all have the capacity to connect in with a The thing I want to say about these experiences, which, you know, it's so easy to talk about and it sounds so ecstatic and amazing, but anyone I know who has had an ecstatic awakening or an immediate awakening, while some it is the most blissful, blissful experience, most people I know there is the other side to it where it's the integrating into the life, whether it's through experiencing a personal loss like a rock bottom or just kind of questioning what is the point of all of this, those moments where you actually gain perspective. Or for others, it can come on more spontaneously through some kind of spiritual connection. But in my experience, the awakening process, while it can be so exquisite and ecstatic, like you said, it is also really difficult because it is about really shifting focus of realizing perhaps the way that we've looked at our life or made meaning from our life or by our life actually might not be all that we thought it was. And with that, when we actually go to integrate it into our lives, it can be tricky. So
0: for you, what happened after that? You were still really young. You were 13. How did your life change or what changed the course of your life from that moment on?
1: Mm. Well, to be honest, it was almost like I was sent these wise women through my life who really showed up in perfect moments. And it was almost like they were my spiritual running buddies in a way. And it was through those relationships that I actively began to study and read books and go to courses and all of that. But the other side of it was I was just a normal kid at school, you know, and trying to make meaning between the two worlds and the two groups of friendships was kind of difficult, to be honest. And so I felt a little bit like I had a bit of a double life, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. In one of your books, you mentioned the days of the red tent, where women would mm. take care of other women. Tell us a little about that, because I hadn't heard about that before your book.
1: Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Well, it's really based on the mother god tradition. And and if you look back in most ancient cultures, there are traditions of, well, first of all, people coming together and living in more of a community. Um, the red tent concept in particular, is around the women being in community and recognizing that, say, men, they go through a daily cycle, which takes them 24 hours from a, a bodily point of view. But women go through a monthly cycle. And we know this as, you know, when the moment we get our period and in the Western world, well, in my experience anyway, and maybe it was the case for you as well, But period, it's meant to be a rite of passage, but it's also something that's a bit like, oh, you don't really want to talk about it. You just kind of deal with it. Some people experience pain. And it's not really revered in this way of, of, first of all, seeing it as this incredible rite of passage into womanhood, but also as an indication of the connection to the cycles and the lunar cycle of the moon. Also, the red tent concept was that women would go into a red tent or basically they'd go away to be looked after, to be pampered, to go inwards during the time that they were bleeding. And then during that time, the other women would support and look after them. And I'm not sure about you, but I know certainly when I began to work with my cycle, I really began to see how during the period when I had my period, I didn't have as much energy. I might've been a bit more moody. And yet, because of the way that our society is built, it's really built on the masculine model, nothing wrong with that. But as women, we can't always expect ourselves to be able to show up each and every day with the same amount of energy. I mean that in good and bad way, in the sense of like, there are parts of the monthly cycle. If we are menstruating at the time, where we have extreme energy. We are are so tapped into creativity and we have so many reserves. Whereas the other part of the cycle, which as you said, the red tent, it's the part of the cycle, it's linked to the season of winter. And so it's about retreating and going in. Many traditions talk about That part of the cycle being actually when we're most connected to our intuition, most connected to the divine, the great mother, whatever you want to call it. And it's in this period of the monthly cycle where perhaps you're most connected to channeling amazing creative ideas or getting extreme clarity on big decisions to make.
0: So for people that are at home that are might be trying to work with their cycles, would Mm -hmm. you recommend just if you can, as much as possible? I know it is really hard in this (laughs) world Mm -hmm. that's kind of designed to just get up and go every day. But would you recommend just more meditation and journaling or is journaling kind of considered a creation process that happens Mm -hmm. afterwards?
1: Well, I'd say if you're just to trust your body. You know, to really trust if you're in the phase of when you're bleeding around that phase, which is linked to winter, just imagine how you want to behave generally when you are in the depths of winter. You probably don't want to run out and go out every single night, wake up at the crack of dawn, You probably want to take it a little bit easier. And so it's just about like being more gentle with yourself. It doesn't mean that you have to just stay in your bedroom for however long it takes. But, you know, because we've all got jobs, we've got children, we've got responsibilities, but perhaps it's like you're not going to book your diary up so you're out every single night during that period. And, yeah, perhaps take notice of the insights that come. You can meditate and just write a couple of notes on your iPhone or, yeah, in a journal. But to recognize that it's like internal, it's an internal time, and that if you give yourself that internal time, when spring comes, and and showing us how to be even more human, I think, but if you look at the, the difference between winter and spring, if you give yourself a proper winter, what happens is come spring... the the seeds have that momentum. Whereas if you are in winter and, and you just assume that nothing will ever grow again, and you try and dig up the seeds and try and make them grow faster, nothing will bloom.
0: And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. Do you love story-driven podcasts? I do. And there's a brand new one that I think you're going to love. It's called You Probably Think the Story's About You. The story just grabs you from the start. It all starts with Brittany, who thinks she's found her soulmate, only to find out things aren't as they seem. So she goes on a mission to find out the truth. And as she digs deeper, she realizes the guy's a master of deception. But here's the thing. As Britney unravels his lies, she ends up on this journey of self-discovery. She starts to see how her own complicated past with addiction, sisterhood and deep family bonds all have shaped her. And that's when it hits you. This story isn't really about him at all. It's about Britney finding herself and learning who she really is. Trust me, you'll be hooked from episode one, wondering where Britney's path will lead her next. It's a story that'll make you look at your own life and relationships in a whole new way. Seriously, grab your headphones and start from episode one of You Probably Think This Story's About You. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll come out feeling heard and stronger. Listen and follow You Probably Think This Story's About You wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, I remember when I first understood working with my cycle, and it was cool because I realized that my cycle was in line with the red moon woman. So I think that means I was bleeding during the full moon or the opposite. I think it was the opposite. But I was creating my course, my digital course at that time. And I didn't know about this yet. And all of a sudden, I just couldn't create anything. It was just so hard for me. I had no energy. I felt like a failure. And I went to this breathwork group and she started talking about the moon cycles and how they coincide with the female periods. And I was blown away. And so I just completely switched my creation cycle and used that as, with a lot of meditation and a lot of just soaking things in and revitalizing my energy. And then as soon as it was time, it was like this creative
1: volcano that just
0: bursts inside of me. It was really amazing.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? And gosh, like this is such a work in progress for me. Like most women, anyone, any woman who's driven, any woman who may, may have worked in the corporate world, it's really hard to untrain ourselves, to expect ourselves to give more and more and more each day, particularly if we are running businesses that we're passionate about or showing up to work that we love. It's hard to, say, deliver a creation into the world and then actually give yourself time off to rest and just do nothing and replenish.
0: I don't know about you, but I wish these red tents still existed. For anyone oh out there gosh. listening, imagine a place where it's just like a red room and it's full of journaling activities and meditation cushions. Mm. That could be a membership.
1: That oh, that would be amazing. Massages and like hibiscus tea, foot baths. (laughs) I would totally go there. I think that's like called the spa, (laughs) but I think the red tent would be better.
0: (laughs) Totally. So you mentioned that men go through a daily cycle other than Mm -hmm. just the rising of the sun. Is there something different happening in their bodies?
1: You know, I'm not an expert in that, but I do know that, that their cycle is the 24 hour one. But, yeah, it's a fascinating concept. And to look at how society has been built on the male cycle as well, which is not to say, oh, damn the man or anything like that. You know, we've obviously got the masculine in us too, but it's worth, and I think this is what the the shift that is happening on the planet right now and has been coming for a long time. It is about coming back to balance and acknowledging the feminine within all of us, but then also as women, how we have tried to, or maybe being forced to try to, I'm not sure, fit into a model that actually dismisses our greatest gifts. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both
0: where, you know, to get these jobs, we weren't allowed jobs or driving or voting rights. And so we are smart. We figured out how to say, hey, allow us to do these things and it won't be that different (laughs) is kind of how I see it.
1: Absolutely. And that's why it's like, you know, because it's so easy when we first get into the work of the feminine and going back to the cycles and all of that to kind of feel like, oh, get angry and be like, oh, why is it like that? But I like looking at it from the perspective of the soul, right? So the soul chooses to incarnate at periods of time in history. And we chose to incarnate now where there is the way that society is, is the way society is. And perhaps we're here to bring about that change or be part of the shift that is happening at this point in time. Yeah, I remember
0: you said that we were made for these times. So by that, you really mean that our souls chose to reincarnate at this specific time in the universe, not before, not in the future. We somehow might be the ones with the power to invoke this change. And so we should just embrace that.
1: Yeah, I do believe that. And I do believe that that souls incarnate Time and time again, and that souls incarnate in groups together as well. And there is no doubt that many, many mystics through the ages have spoken about this period that we're living in right now. And there have been obviously many other periods of history as well, but this is the one that we happen to be living in. So, for some
0: women, there is a lot of pushback in these times. You know, we feel ourselves mm. rising. And so, there's a lot of language in the media where women are saying men sit down, shut up and things like that. And Mm. and people are arguing that, well, men are afraid to be men right now. And we're losing Mm. that side. Are we doing it wrong as a whole or should we be more gentle?
1: Mm. You know, I think that this is like, is relevant to the, the male female thing that it's happening right now, but it's really just, I think, a mirroring of what's happening with humanity as a whole. And I don't know anyone who is not trying to figure it out right now.
0: It's not as simple as just <laughs> coming yeah. in and saying, oh, this is how it should all go.
1: Exactly. And everyone comes in with well, their own soul history and stories around this topic, as well as ancestrally. And then there's life experience on top of that. So I feel like I can't possibly answer that without being unfair to people, (laughs) myself, you, everyone, you know, I think everyone is really navigating this in their own way. And I think that some people are really called to be strong, strong activists, big voices and sharing their anger is holy and sacred. And then there's others who have a softer approach and none is right or wrong. It just is like, we should just really trust the curriculum that we are being given ourselves. That's what I think about that.
0: Yeah. I do see most of the problems seem to come from when we are worried about how everyone else is handling it. Mm. And when we're saying, well, why are you being so big there? Or no, you use the wrong language there. That's too aggressive. When if we just turned that attention inward and asked ourselves, Mm -hmm. how can I best show up? And I like what you said about trusting that even if the way that we see somebody else showing up isn't what we feel called to do, doesn't Mm -hmm. make it wrong because it's part of that balance. We need some of those big voices that are doing things in a way more aggressive way.
1: Exactly. And then recognizing, yeah. And so developing that inner connection. So if we are being called to speak out or, you know, we're all being called to make changes always in our own personal lives, but that we find our own way of doing it. Cause I think that there's part of the whole, and it is shifting back into balance. I don't believe that the solution is matriarchy. It is the balance of the two. And the thing about patriarchy, it's not just about the masculine, it's just the times we're living in in is that the most intense patriarchy can sometimes exist within ourselves. I see it all the time within me, where, for example, going back to the red tent conversation, I've always had such a strong work ethic, which is a great gift. It's a really good thing that has has, like helped me get my work out into the world, but there's this other part of me that sometimes I feel guilty if I'm not working hard. Now, that's patriarchal patterning that I have and I'm constantly unwinding that and unbinding that. And we all have that. Another version of that is seeing other women speak out, maybe they're speaking out in an angry way, maybe they're speaking out in a way that isn't angry enough And then we judge that and then we create and then there's lots of calling out happening and then that brings about more shame and more severing to sisterhood, brotherhood, humanity in general. And this is what I mean about we're all figuring it out, we're all unbinding and unwinding and so many of the things that are rising up to be healed right now are really uncomfortable and really difficult and many of which may have nothing directly to us to do with us directly, but they may be ancestrally. So our ancestors may have made, in our opinion, really horrible decisions or had really, really hateful opinions. And I believe that this time that we're living in, a lot of these issues are rising up and I think that the the invitation for right now is to try and not be defensive because when we're defensive, we're not able to have our heart open and to see the light in the other person. And so this is why it's like this, it's this um, dance that I'm seeing happening in my own life, in online life, in the world, just generally, and in my community where we're dancing between You know, in the spiritual world, there's all the, you know, love and light crew where it's all just oneness, oneness, oneness. And then there is the sacred anger, which is rising up because there's been really wrong things that have been happening and are happening on the planet. And both are true. And the difficult conversations need to be acknowledged without becoming defensive or taking things personally in order for that unity to happen. And these are the times we're living in. And I think that they're really difficult.
0: Yeah, it is easy to just see the patriarchy as, you know, women blaming men or. uh, But it is about that balance because we all have masculine and feminine inside of us. And I remember Mm -hmm. I had a corporate job all through my 20s and I prided myself at one point Mm -hmm. of being the only woman who could handle working at this one Pretty toxic totally. environment. And I had to be all in my masculine. I am still discovering my feminine to the point that mm. I had even cut off part of like my sexuality at a time. Like mm. it was all about power for me and just getting the guy. But the idea of receiving pleasure was almost mm. non existent. And that was something I had to start healing through my relationship with my husband. But it's easy mm. to still point the fingers to everyone else, what everyone else is doing, how they're handling it, but how are you approaching that sacred feminine mm-hmm. or the balance between the feminine and the masculine inside of you?
1: Right. Well, first of all, I just so relate to everything that you just said, particularly about your work experience and the unwinding and, and seeing these things that were once your superpowers and maybe in a way still are, but perhaps no longer serve in the same way so I've been in a non-stop (laughs) process of that I'd say for the past I'd say probably 10 years (laughs) and it's still happening and you know with my husband my husband is a really strong man and he's also so giving and so tender as well but it is always in response to me and how I change. So, for example, he, he's actually started working in my business, which is a whole nother dynamic, right? Because, you know, I'm the boss in a way. <laughs> and, you know, we always have like one of the biggest fallouts that we had when we first began working together was when I started not receiving what he was showing up to. So, for example, if we had an event on or whatever – he'd have like everything so, so organized. And then I'd second guess because I wasn't used to receiving that support and that methodical, everything planned out and all of that. And so, I mean, it's like I'm constant syllabus of receiving the masculine. And I see that when I don't receive it, I'm actually, I take away the masculine power. That makes sense. And so Actually, through my softness, through my receiving, I'm actually able to be supported more and The man is able to step more into it, for example. But also, and you know, if you meet my husband, I just did a retreat and all the ladies on the retreat were like, oh my gosh, your husband, he is the sacred masculine. And he was in that retreat. He was holding space. He was, everything was clockwork. He just did, he was amazing. But then this is again, what I think women do. One of the ladies said, I feel a bit nervous about going back home because my husband doesn't get this. And if I had a husband like yours, Rebecca, then everything would be fine. You know, he's just like the sacred masculine embodied, blah, blah, blah. And what I saw was she was really projecting sacred masculine onto my husband. And I'm like, (laughs) well, it is true. He has been that in this week. And, And then I told a couple of stories and he was there as well. And he told it as well, which was the other side of it. And I think it's so easy for us to look at these men or look at relationships, look at other women, like it's all sorted and they're like that all the time. But again, it's this constant dance where we're figuring it out. And I really believe that relationships are, particularly at these times when we're dancing between the masculine and feminine, and we're with a partner who is willing to do that as well, It is through the conflict that the growth comes. And it's sometimes difficult to navigate, but once you get through it, then you get to a whole new level. So yeah, that's my long-winded way of basically saying I'm constantly working on it. (laughs) No, I totally relate.
0: You know, I'm all about aligning in every aspect of life, right? Well, that philosophy extends to hiring, too. When it comes to finding the perfect fit for your business, sometimes the best approach is to stop the endless searching and start focusing on alignment. And that's where Indeed comes in. Indeed is like the matchmaker of the hiring world. With millions of job seekers visiting their platform every month, their powerful matching engine is designed to connect you with candidates who truly align with your needs and values but here's the thing indeed isn't just about finding any old match they're committed to delivering quality in fact 93 percent of employers agree that indeed provides the highest caliber of candidates compared to other job sites and that's the kind of alignment i'm talking about as a busy mom juggling episodes clients retreat planning family life I just don't have time to waste on a drawn out hiring process. And that's why I love Indeed because it streamlines everything from scheduling interviews to screening applicants and messaging potential hires all in one central hub. And the more you use Indeed, the smarter it gets. It learns from your preferences. With over 3.5 million businesses worldwide trusting Indeed to align them with top-notch talent, it's pretty clear that this platform is the real deal. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support my show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I need to get something off my chest. Sometimes I wake up feeling like I hate everything. Like this dark cloud is over my day, and I look to the past and the future, and everything feels tainted, like this is how it's always been. Those type of days used to last months, and now they're pretty few and far between, and they rarely last more than a few hours. But it can still make me feel like a fraud. I'm sharing this because I know that we all carry around these things that make us feel different or less than. But if we keep them bottled up, the shame spirals and creates more problems than that initial thought. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's difficult finding friends or family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. Therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of you. BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online, so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p.com/mindlove. I totally relate. My husband is pretty amazing as well. My friends are always saying, "Oh, Shane's so awesome," and I feel so grateful but it's not like it's been easy the entire time. We decided to travel nine countries in 30 days on our honeymoon after moving out of a house. (laughs) And and I swear like that was this exponential level of growth because we put ourselves through so much struggle. We still have those moments. And even internally, there have been moments, especially in the beginning of the mind love journey where (laughs) Shane would come home and I would be like, a wreck or something, like something would be going on, stressing me out. And I'm acting like a toddler. And he'd say like, on the drive here, I was listening to a mind love episode. And these are two very different people that I'm hearing from. And I'm like, I can't be that person all the time. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so funny. I so relate.
0: Speaking of how the men show up for us, there's definitely the idea of men showing up for women as they're rising but since we are a balance of masculine and feminine with this rising of the feminine happening how do you see that shift happening in men as well
1: well i think that to look at like you said before the fact that the feminine and masculine is rising in both of us that's what i see happening in the men the sacred feminine is also rising within them and so more emotion is being shown, a softening is happening, a deeper listening is happening and a shift from that like cliche manly man concept, which is really, if you look at like the archetypes of men, it's more like the knight is that manly man, as in like, you know, King Arthur the knight. And then there is the graduation into the king. To prove himself, who listens and is fair and supportive, right? And so that's what I really see is happening right now. Well, that's the invitation.
0: Of course, as the feminine rises, there is pushback from not just the men. Like we said, we push back against ourselves sometimes. And I, what I hear a lot on social media and things like that is people thinking, like, oh, the men want to keep their power. I don't really see it as that. I feel like it's more of the natural way that people push back against change. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, I see the same thing. And I think that there is the media and online and social media, and then there is people in your life. And at the moment, I think that there is a lot of drama happening in the media and in social media. But when I look at men in my life, it's that classic thing of when you're having difficult conversations, social media is not the place for that, because it is impossible to be able to see the heart and the eyes and the emotion of the person on the other side of the screen. Whereas when you're talking to your dad, your uncle, your brother, your husband, it is a lot easier. And the conversations can still be difficult, but at least there is context. At least there is the heart and the emotion of the other person. And I think that another invitation for these times where there is a lot of change and it can be scary and Whenever this stuff happens, all of our core stuff, our core wounds are always going to rise up. And some people's core wounds about our shame. Some people are really afraid of getting it wrong. And then that's where the defensiveness comes in. And so the more that we can soften and actually voice when we're afraid, voice when we feel uncomfortable, voice when we're kind of like, oh gosh, perhaps I've unconsciously treated women this way, or perhaps I've unconsciously spoken to men this way. It's gone both ways. It's like my friend Mel was talking the other day, and she was talking about how she was so used to men whistling at her as she walked down the street, that the other day, this man appeared behind her, and she Every hair like stood on its end and she was ready to just basically tell him to F off, (laughs) basically. (laughs) And he actually reached out and, because it was raining, put an umbrella over her. And so it's the programming of the women just as much as men. It's happening both ways and it's the softening and the kind of like realising that we're all figuring it out that I think is needed.
0: Yeah, I think a key word you said there was unconsciously. I think we can get Mm. tripped up on assuming that everyone's reactions are these conscious, thought out things. When Mm -hmm. we learn so much about, I mean, a lot of my triggers come from some moment in childhood that if you would have watched might have seemed totally just passive. But to me, it caused some trauma that affects the way Mm -hmm. I react to something until I consciously address that or bring awareness to it. and try to heal it. So I Mm. like that meme. There's a meme online that I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically there's a sliding glass door and there's a dog on each side and they're just Going crazy, just barking at each other. And then the sliding door slowly starts to open and they like look at each other and then just run away. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) It's like now that the glass isn't between them, suddenly they're like, oh, I don't want this fight. And that's that's how a lot of it can happen, especially because Mm -hmm. I think so much of how we react to another human is also like you said, we see the emotion, but there's also so many underlying like biological or physiological. Things that we can sense from people's hormones and from their moods and and things that we're not even aware of that affect the way we're going to address the person in front of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: So I'm wondering, we've talked about receiving and going inward, especially during these times in our cycle. How do we make sure that we're a clear channel to receive some internal wisdom rather than those voices
1: that are so loud in our heads all the time. Mm, Totally. Well, daily practice of some kind like meditation, or it can just be literally like laying down on the grass in nature, walking in nature, just something where we're emptying out and connecting in with God, your inner temple, whatever name you give it. That to me is the crucial part of it because we are bombarded more and more and more and you know there's wi-fi coming at us there's 3g coming at us and from an energetic point of view it's just we're fried constantly so anything we can do to connect in with nature to really clear our energetic systems and then also go into what i would call the center of the heart the inner temple so we're really connected to the voice of our soul in our body. You
0: mentioned the 5G, and I am following a lot of things online where people are freaking out about 5G. But somebody that I know in the spiritual community recently posted something that said that basically we're not able to create something. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of 5G wouldn't be here unless we could handle it. And I'm wondering, there's a lot Mm. going on, including, I mean, there's fear of the end of the world happening in 2050 due to climate change. Do you look at it like this is doomed or is it some sort of process that we're moving
1: through that we can handle? I think it's a bit of both. I do think that we are being called back to nature as much as we possibly can. We can acclimatize to anything. I think the human race is incredible. But I know in my own happiness, my own well-being, if I cut myself off from nature, I cut myself off from my own true nature and I can totally survive. I can hold a job down. I can do all of that stuff, but I feel disconnected from my heart. So, yeah, that's my belief. Yeah, that's
0: true. It is the connectedness. I mean, it's life. Mm. And so the more we surround ourselves with walls and metal and technology and waves, like the wrong kind of waves, it is just Mm. so disconnecting. I believe that's why anxiety and depression and all of these things are Mm. rising is because we're forgetting where we came from. But on the bright side, those moments of crises are usually the moments that are the calls for people, where people are like, the misery that I 'm in right now is worse than the fear of the unknown, and so i 'm going to try something different. so I see more people around me, maybe it 's because i 'm also rising, and so that it's like when you want to buy a Tesla and all you see are Teslas <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I am noticing all the rising around me
1: mm. totally, and I think also that point about rising, as we've been talking about the cycles and all of that it's important to recognize that that concept of rising to me is like it includes falling too and the constant cycle of that. So it's about surrendering to what is rising within us. And often in order to do that, it is acknowledging those things that are falling away. And again, that then brings us back to that never-ending cyclic nature of life.
0: You mentioned earlier how, The way you would fight against your own feminine was Mm. wanting to work all the time and feeling Mm. guilty when you took a break. And that is something I hear from so many of my listeners, where they don't feel like they either deserve to take that time for themselves, or they feel like they're going to be selfish because they have a family to take care of. But one thing I'm always trying to drill in is that it is not selfish to take time for yourself. Because the energy that you bring to anything is contagious, whether that's with your family, whether that's the person in line at the grocery store, who you show up as is important. It's probably your number one responsibility. So I'm curious as to what are your views on the necessity of self-love and taking that time to go inward first?
1: Well, first of all, We've got much more to give energetically when we do it and we're often much nicer to be around. (laughs) Like I've got experience of like memories of my own mum who had just like she worked so hard having such an incredible career at a time where it was difficult to, no maternity leave, all of that stuff. And her and I speak about it where they didn't have an option. And the difference where it's like when you're going through the motions versus actually fully being present with someone, and there is this concept that the ancient Greeks speak about, or there being two different concepts of time, Kairos time and Chronos time, and Chronos time is obviously it's like chronological, so it's like all the things that we have to do, the to do list that all of that kind of stuff. And then there's Kairos time, which is soul time. It's where creative ideas drop in. It's where intuition resides. And the way to step into that form of time is by doing things like meditation, doing things like noticing beauty, like being in nature. And it doesn't have to take four hours a day or an hour a day or even half an hour a day. It can be five minutes, ten minutes. It can be that bite size. But when we give ourselves that, it's almost like time has the opportunity to stretch. And that is when we are connected to our intuition, solutions come that our linear mind could not possibly have thought. And that ends up often saving us time. So I think that's a good rationalization to tell the mind to give yourself 10 minutes or five minutes or 15 minutes when you can.
0: And I think a lot of people also assume that receiving or going inward is always about just the stillness. But some Mm. of my greatest moments where I reach that time that you talked about where time elongates or seems to stand still or or have been when I've somehow gotten into a flow state, whether it's through like a creative Mm. endeavor, might be journaling, might be music or might even be dancing. What are some of the ways (laughs) that you reach that flow state?
1: Sometimes it can be when I take the time to actually connect with someone I'd describe as like a soul friend. So the life is really busy, life is really busy, and then you actually say, let's go for a walk on the phone together and connect. It's those moments that tend to like open things up. Other things are looking at art. I'm a nature girl, so being in nature, so walking on the beach. Or just like buying myself flowers and arranging them, doing anything that is creative, but not creative for an outcome. So it's like taking a little bit more time to arrange the flowers into four different mason jars instead of just popping them into one really quickly because you got to move on to the next thing. And because beauty really is, and anything creative is a gateway to the soul.
0: One thing that you said that just reminded me, because this is sort of about creating art or beauty or somehow connecting with that, but you said that the age of the struggling artist and the healer is over. What did you mean by that? And why did that age start in the first place?
1: (laughs) Well, I think I kind of like wrote that to myself in a way (laughs) and to every single artist out there. Because there is like with writers, with painters, whatever. I think we are all artists, by the way. We all have the capacity and it's a level we are creators. That is that many people talk about like Earth as being the the planet of creation. It's manifestation. It's where we can bring things into 3D reality, right? And I believe that we are all being called to be artists and create and that art and Creativity shouldn't be this like rare thing. It should be how we all make our livelihood. Now, we have a cliched view of what creativity is it's painting, it's writing, it's whatever it is. But really, creativity can come in any form of job. My husband, he prior to the work he does now, he was in the banking world. But the amount of creativity that he brought, like he was an accountant, like it's very numbers. It's like the opposite of my job, which is a creative director. We were like the two polar ends, but he created this game when we first started dating called the alphabet game, where each week we'd go on a new date through the letters of the alphabet. It was the most creative thing that I've ever experienced those dates. So it doesn't have to be this, creating for the sake of like creating a book or whatever and often when we allow ourselves we allow that inner artist to express itself might be just through making a different meal and arranging it a little bit different on the table then the soul steps forward and something else comes in it might be intuition it might be an idea it might be a connection with someone. It's like there's an opening that happens.
0: Oh, I love that. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but um, too. for um, listeners who are resonating with you, which by the way, listeners, I have read her books and they're so good. And they're the kind where you can just read a page if you want in the middle of the day, a random page for some extra inspiration. So where can listeners best connect with you online?
1: Best way is my website, which is rebeccacampbell.me or I'm also on Instagram at Rebecca Thoughts.
0: All of the links in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 088. I have to say, after this interview, I was on a high. And I think it is just because of those two feminine energies coming together. It was one of those conversations where it felt like I could talk to her for hours and there was just this energetic flow. And when that happens, I know I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have shared in quite a few episodes about my women's group and I've had a few of you reach out and ask about it. I think I've given the details once before, but it is such an amazing concept, I wanted to share it again. So it isn't everywhere yet, but it is expanding pretty rapidly. If you live in Los Angeles, New York, Or the San Francisco Bay Area, you can access it. It's called Quilt. We do not make quilts. (laughs) The URL is wearequilt.com. But it's really cool because it allows women to open up their homes for just an hour-long chat, whether in the morning or evening. You can host your own. But I found that it's been really inspiring for me because the type of people that are attracted to this are really conscious-driven women. So we have facilitated conversation where it will be around a topic like creativity or money or sexuality. So we end up dropping into these deep conversations much sooner than we would with a group full of strangers otherwise. Well, if you don't live in one of the areas that Quilt is currently at, I highly suggest that you start this on your own write down some questions around a topic and bring your friends together and just start the discussion without these types of prompts it can be difficult to get deeper than service level conversations but when you get there The amount of sharing and the amount of wisdom that you find out that the people that you've known forever have is really incredible. A lot of times we get into these deeper conversations when we're in a moment of crisis or when we're hurt, but we can be having these conversations anyways. We just need to bring it to the surface. So my challenge for you this week is to find women or one woman that you can connect with. It was cool because Quilt is... Um, Right now, at least, mostly geared towards women from 20s to 40s, but they've been expanding not only locations, but also age groups. And I dropped in on this one that was called We Get Better With Age, and it was mostly women ages 50 and above. But it was so amazing. And I was inspired to do that from Rebecca Campbell's story about connecting with older women at a young age and how valuable that was for her. So I made a point to connect with some of my own. And first of all, not only the wisdom I was able to download from them was amazing, but also at the end of these meetings, we have an ask. We go around the circle and we say something that we are currently looking for or just putting out in the universe, and it could be something like uh, you need a house cleaner or a dog walker, but it can also be I'm looking for a boyfriend or a husband or... I'm looking for advice in this area or I'm looking for a job. So if you are starting your women's group, that's a really cool concept because a part of our human nature is wanting to be useful and wanting to help other people, but it can be difficult to ask. So the challenge is to connect with women, young, old, mentor them, have somebody become your mentor, go in a group, go to coffee, whatever it might be, cherish your female friendships. And while we are on the topic of asks, I am currently looking for places to speak. I'm really feeling called towards speaking to either high schools or colleges or that interim in between or even conferences geared towards younger women where they might need the topic of self-love. I can tailor this talk to sexual assault, to eating disorders, or just to general self-love. But not only am I looking for the experience to further my career, but I also just thrive when I'm connecting with people on this level. So if you know of any connections you can hook me up with, email me at melissa at mindlove.com. And as always, rate and review if this episode meant something to you, or if you loved it, screenshot it, share it to social media, and tag Mind Love Melissa or Mind Love Podcast, or both. Otherwise, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.